And as everybody's being seated, if you want to turn to Matthew chapter 2. So we're going to stay in Matthew today. Matthew chapter 2. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. And when we kind of stand together and we sing that, we're pointing to something that is so grand and so glorious and so life-giving. He's the one who gives the sons and daughters of man second birth. Because the Bible says we're spiritually dead in our sins and trespasses. And God has to make us alive. And Jesus came born in a manger to bring life to the world. And so when somebody gets saved, when somebody becomes a Christian, when somebody gets captured by this gospel, it's because life came into your heart. Open your eyes to who Jesus really was. And then you see the glory of Christmas for what it really is. And oftentimes preachers can make a lot of hay about the commercialism of Christ, or Christmas and all of that. But I just want us to just marvel at the grandeur and the glory that God sent His Son into the world to save sinners. And He did it by sending His Son to take on humanity and become one of us. So that he might die in our place, a substitute, a sacrifice, bearing the wrath for us. And if we believe on him, he can rescue us from the judgment that awaits. He can make us alive. And we begin to live the way God truly intended us to live. Because deep down, Christmas reminds something reminds us that something is wrong in the world. And God sent Jesus to set it right. Amen? So let's pray and ask the Lord to visit us right now. Would you join me in prayer? Father, I thank You for Your faithfulness. I thank You for Your grace and Your goodness and Your love, Lord. And I just pray that that as we get into Matthew chapter 2, Lord, that this wouldn't just be a familiar story, but it would be a life-giving story. That you would come upon your word, and Lord, that I would move out of the way. And Father, that you, your spirit would breathe your word upon your people. And Lord, that we would be visited with a word that we need most. And that everybody represented here, we're all in different places right now as we come to celebrate Christmas. And I pray, Father, that the Holy Spirit would tailor a word for right where we need it most. And that You would come and bring prophetic word, that You would bring life-giving truth, that You would take these words of Matthew that were breathed out by the Holy Spirit and minister to our souls. And I pray, Father, that we would glory and marvel at King Jesus this Christmas. And I pray, Father, that that you would open our hearts to receive the things that you have to say and that we would have ears to hear it and that we, like the song says, that we would hear the declaration, that we would be like the nations longing for a Savior to come 
And that as we enter this story, that you would help us afresh. In Jesus' majestic holy name we pray. Amen. So I want you guys to imagine for a second that the Queen of England has just told you that she is going to come to your house for Christmas. And you're going to respond maybe a few ways to that. Maybe you're going to respond hostily and be like, I don't don't know what you're talking about. Queen's not coming to my house. You know, I, I don't have time. I can't get ready. I don't, you know, this ain't happening. Or you might respond kind of indifferent, right? You might be like, well, I'm an American, so like the Queen of England's not really a big deal to me. And, you know, next. Or you could respond by giving the Queen the proper honor and dignity that that royal title is due. And you roll out the red carpet and you get your finest linens and you're like preparing the house. You've got your fine china out. You're cleaning. You're doing everything to prepare for that moment because you know royalty's arriving. How much more if Jesus is coming at Christmas? And we're going to enter into a story where Jesus is coming and has come and the announcement's been made. And people are going to respond to Jesus in some different ways. There's going to be some who get real hostile and get fired up. And there's going to be some who are just like, ho-hum, you know, big deal, I guess. And then there's going to be others who just fall down on their faces, right? As the song goes, fall on your knees, hear the angel call. Because before King Jesus, before God, who became man, who dwelt among us, who was born in a manger. And then in our story, he's in a house being cared for by his mom and dad as a little infant. But he's the king of the universe. And God would call a bunch of pagan astronomers halfway around the world to come and fall on their faces before this king. And I want to tell you this Christmas, it's because God's willing to do stuff like that, that any single one of us who is a Christian in this room knows Jesus. Because God reaches out to those who are far off, who have no hope, and reveals His Son to them and draws them in for real Worship to fall on their knees before God, the Son. So let's look at our story and see this kind of afresh. Chapter 2 and verse 1 goes like this. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it arose, and we have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And he assembled all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, and he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. 
And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring word to me that I too may worship him. And after listening to the king, they went on their way and behold, the star that they had seen when it arose before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. And then they opened their treasures and offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod. They departed another or to their own country by another way. That is a staggering story. Because you've got you've got to kind of walk into the context a little bit to kind of feel what's going on. You have two kings. You have Herod, who was kind of a usurper king. He he was not even fully Jewish. He was an Idiomaean, and he was kind of a puppet king that Rome had instituted over the land of Judea. And most Jews didn't really like him, but he was a terror. He was a tyrant, and he was so fearful that somebody might take his power, that somebody might threaten his authority, that he killed his own wife and two of his sons because they were a potential threat. And Caesar once quipped about Herod that I'd rather be his pig than his dog because he wouldn't kill a pig, but he'd kill his son like nothing. That's the kind of man he was. And then you have King Jesus, the rightful ruler. Verse 2 says he's born the king of the Jews. He's king by birthright. And Herod is a faker. Herod is not the true king of Israel. And then you have the wise men. And the wise men are also called magi. And you've got to imagine, these are like probably Persian or Babylonian astrologers. And if you remember the story of Daniel, Daniel was a magi, except he was an Israelite and he loved the Lord and he had abilities to interpret dreams and he was he he probably taught the Babylonians and the Persians because he was under both their rules the ways of the Hebrew scriptures so likely it's quite possible that these magi were wise men who were influenced by Daniel so they were able to see that something was coming because long ago in the book of numbers it said out of Jacob, a star will rise. And that star would be Jesus. So it's no wonder that a star would be raised up supernaturally 
to guide these wise men into Jerusalem to ask the question of the ages, where is the king of the Jews? Where is the one born king of the Jews? Do you think of Jesus like that? I mean, do we think of Jesus? He is the king of the Jews. He's the one who was born king of the Jews. And long ago, it was said he'd be born in Bethlehem. So that's the first thing you see in this passage. Look with me at verses one and two one more time and see that this is a this is a, a, a the reality that we're being called to recognize the true king of Israel. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who is born king of the Jews. It's not who was going to become king of the Jews, but where is he who was already born king of the Jews? This Jesus is somebody special. This Jesus is somebody glorious. This Jesus is a glorious king. He's the king who would end all other kings. His kingdom would end all other kingdoms. One day he is going to reign forever and have a people that he rules with peace and equity and all that we long for deep down, even being Americans and having a lot of freedoms. There's something deep down that recognizes corruption. There's something that deep down we recognize something's broke. There's something deep down that we recognize we need one who will rule righteously. We need one who will rule with a kingdom of peace and we long for it. And I want to tell you today that this king does not only give peace in his kingdom, he gives peace in the soul. He gives peace in the heart. And no matter how you've come in this day, maybe you've come in and you're all tore up. Maybe you've come in and you're like, I'm, I'm far from God. And you need to know that God orders the universe to bring about the coming of of these wise men from a far land to come and encounter King Jesus and worship him and meet the Savior of the world. That's who he is. He's King Jesus. Where is he who has been born King of the Jews? One writer put it this way. He said, the, the, the issue here is in part... Who is the real king of the Jews? The pretender who liked to call himself the king of the Jews, Herod, even though he was an idiomaean, or the one who was actually born king of the Jews, the one the prophets foretold of, the one that the people were expecting. Because you got to realize, like, they were in a time not unlike our own, not unlike our own. There was a lot of chaos. There was a lot of unrest. There was a lot of, of heavy hearts. There was a, 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 Jerusalem was dominated by Rome. Jerusalem was, was not free. They were basically like, like living under the tyranny of Rome and they were longing for somebody to come liberate. But God's purpose in sending his son the first time was not to set up a political kingdom but it was to redeem humanity. It was to reverse the effects of the curse. It was to deal with our hearts. 
It was to deal with sin. You shall call His name Jesus, for He shall save His people from their sins. And you have called His name Emmanuel. Why? Because it's God with us. Because the only hope you have is God with you at Christmas. The only hope you have to deal with the greatest problem of your life, your alienation from God, your sin has corrupted you and will one day bring about your demise and your death. And the only one who can change that is King Jesus. And that's the question they're asking. And you have to hear them saying, where is the king of the Jews? Where is the king of the Jews? Because the, the, the verb that, that uh, the text says saying, it means they kept saying. They kept saying this. And could you imagine Herod? Would you? talking about this other king you know he just he gets all live with that right and he's upset he's angry and he's not going to be happy until the streets of jerusalem run red with blood which verse 16 not long after this he would do that in an attempt to snuff out the purposes of god but I want us to look deeper into the identity of Jesus because sometimes we don't see how marvelous this passage is. Look with me at verse 5. This is what they tell Herod when Herod asks them, who is this? When, when's this guy going to be born? Where is he going to be born? They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, prophet Micah, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. The shepherd king's coming. The shepherd king is coming. He's going to come rescue his people and shepherd them into salvation. And this was promised from of old. And all of the shepherds of Israel up until that point had been corrupt. And God indicts them through many, many prophets saying, you were not teaching the people my ways. You had forsaken my ways. And I want to tell you guys that this shepherd is the real deal. This shepherd is the king who was to come. He's like David. And matter of fact, he's the one who would fulfill the Davidic covenant which said there's going to be one like David who comes to set up his kingdom and to save his people. And that's who this shepherd is. He's the shepherd king who came. He's the ruler who would shepherd my people Israel. And it's interesting that the image of a shepherd is what God brings forward in the announcement of the coming of his son into the world. Because David was not the one you thought would be king, right? You look at all his brothers and they're like huge and buff and everybody would have picked one of them. Or Saul, who was big and handsome. And, 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 but no, God picks a shepherd boy who's off in the field guarding the sheep from wolves and bears and stuff like that. And he says, that's the one who has the heart after my own. That's the one who's got a heart that will shepherd my people well. I want one after my own heart. And Jesus came in the line of David to remind us that he's the good shepherd. And he lays down his life for his sheep. 
and he will shepherd you all the way home. If you're a Christian, know this. My sheep hear my voice, Jesus said, and they know me and they follow me. And I lay my life down for them and I will keep the wolves at bay. And I will deal with those who come at my sheep. Jesus knows how to deal with the opposition that will come. But this shepherd would come to save his people. Did you know that Jesus, King Jesus, is, was born to deal with your sins, if you're a believer? That when you stand, and maybe, maybe you had a, guilt, like a, a week this week where you just feel all guilty. You feel terrible. You don't feel like at rest. You're a child of God. But you don't feel the smile of God on you. And you need to know that Jesus, his very name means God saves. And he will save his people from their sins. Are you experiencing that today? Do you know the sweet forgiveness of God? Or do you feel guilty and on the run? And I want to tell you, this shepherd king comes to bring in his sheep and he'll take them all the way home. That's why the prophet said this to begin with. There's going to be one coming. And listen, this king, if you go back to Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, you don't have to turn there, but listen to how it reads in the Old Testament. But you, O Bethlehem, who are too little among the clans of Judah... From you shall come forth for me one who is to be a ruler in Israel, whose coming is from of old, from the ancient of days. This king is like no other king. He came from of old. He's a forever king. He had no beginning and he's not going to have an end. He's the Lord of the universe. And he came. And he's sitting in a swaddling cloth with his mother there, and the Magi are coming to go meet him. Marvel at Christmas. Marvel at the glorious mystery of Christmas, brothers and sisters. Like, Jesus is the Lord of the universe. Can he not deal with our small and petty problems? And can he not deal with our big and soul-crushing problems? You need to know that Jesus is a powerful shepherd and he came from of old. And he has the power to wield history for his purposes. And not even Herod could take him out. That's who we're dealing with. He's no ordinary king. And are we here today to worship no ordinary king? He's not a pedestrian king. He's not a king that has faults. He's not a king that you could look at him and go, yeah, well, Jesus kind of missed it on this one. He gets everything right. He's totally compassionate. He cares about you where you're at. He knows your thoughts. He knows your heart. He knows your needs. He knows your brokenness. He knows you need help. He's the true king. And when you trust him, it's a powerful experience of a living relationship. He'll save you and he'll bring you all the way home. And he takes a couple of magi and grabs a hold of their hearts and says, check out a star. Check out the sign 
I'm coming. And they follow it all the way from Babylon or Persia to Jerusalem. And you got you to gotta think, like, that's marvelous. Like, God would condescend to use the stars to bring a pagan people to himself. And that means that he's able to do abundantly above, beyond what we imagine to save sinners who are far from God. And you may be thinking about somebody in your family, or you may even be thinking about yourself. I'm too far gone. But this God is able to save anyone. He can save anyone who draws near to Him. But there will be opposition. There's always opposition to the purposes of God and the plan of God. And we see that in verse 3. Look at this. When Herod the king heard this, he heard the news that there was some kind of king coming or that had been born. He was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. And assembling the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of, of them where the Christ was to be born. And I just see like three types of opposition just coming out of Herod and, and, and the chief priests. Look, look at this. Like the, the, the first thing is he's troubled. He's in distress. He's emotionally just like angry and worked up. And he's aggressive and hostile. How many of you have seen people hostile to Jesus? Angry about Jesus? What are you talking about? The king of the Jews. I'm the captain of my own ship. I'm the master of my own fate. Don't talk to me about King Jesus. How many people, when they hear the word Jesus, they don't actually have a heart for Jesus, but they balk at that name. They mock and malign that name. There's a hostility. And maybe you're in here and you're like, I don't, I'm not hostile to Jesus, but I want to ask you a, a couple questions to help you kind of dial that in a little bit. When you hear the name Jesus, do you rejoice or do you cringe? Do you delight in the name or do you cower in fear? Do you get angry or do you adore? Because the posture of your heart will reveal the hostility or the rejoicing that's going on. And Herod is burnt up. And he is willing to do whatever it takes. He's going to slither in and you can almost hear him hissing the words, you know, as he summons them secretly to ascertain the time that the king would come. When is he going to be born? Where is this king going to come? And, 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 and go search for him diligently. You guys, go ahead. Verse 7 and 8 says, go ahead and, and search for him. And then bring news to me that I too may worship him. I want to worship Jesus too. I want to worship Jesus. So the second thing we see is in opposition is this kind of like secret opposition. This kind of cunning. This kind of deceptiveness. And it's just like Satan and false teachers and false religions to pretend to be about the gospel. To pretend to worship. To pretend and feign spirituality. But really, deep down, there's subterfuge. Deep down, there's attack. Deep down, there's opposing forces. Deep down, they're not about God. They're about lining their own pockets or protecting their own authority or protecting their power. And that's what you see in Herod. 
he behaves just like the devil. And it's not the first time that this has happened. All through history, all through the history of the Bible, you have Pharaoh trying to smother the Israelites and kill all the newborn males. And Moses is preserved. And Jesus is a better Moses. Is it any wonder that the devil's trying to do the same thing again? The book of Esther, you have Haman who plots secretly to destroy the Jews. And Haman was an Edomian. What a coincidence. The devil's been doing it all along. He's trying to stop the work of God in the world. And brothers and sisters, just when you're discouraged, just when you're feeling like something's not happening, why are things going the way they are? You need to know God is sovereign and he's working his purposes out in the midst of opposition. And you don't have to be afraid. Fear not. The Lord is with us and the Lord will triumph over opposition. And though Herod's going to make the streets of Jerusalem run red with blood, God protects his people and he protects his son and he raises him up so he can die on a cross to defeat all hostility and opposition and all sin. And he will deal with it definitively. He'll bring justice to those who enact that kind of evil to those who oppose the ways of God. Justice is coming, but he brings peace to those who repent and receive King Jesus. So God knows how to deal with hostility. And what's ironic about this story is verse. Look, look at verse seven uh, or sorry, verse eight. One more time. Herod summons the wise men secretly and tries to ascertain the time the star had appeared, and he sends them to Bethlehem to go and search. Herod does not move a muscle. He's heard of this king who was supposed to be born king of the Jews, and all the chief priests and all the religious leaders that he's been talking to and trying to kind of figure out what's going on, None of them lift a finger, not even the Israelites, not even the people who were near to the promises, not even the people who should have known better. They don't lift a finger. God brings some pagan astrologers who are all messed up and he brings them near and he saves them. God flips things on their head. He flips things upside down. And if you think you're far off and you're too far off to become a Christian, you're too far off to get saved, you're too far off to have your heart dealt with, you need to know that God's able to save you. You need to know that God's able to rescue you from your sins. He's able to give you peace. He's able to give you hope. And God had purposed to redeem a people. But it's very ironic and very sad that the Messiah's own people rejected him. And the third kind of opposition we see is that some opposition come, becomes physical. Some opposition is a seeking to kill and stamp out Christianity any way possible. Look at verse 16 of chapter 2. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he became furious and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years older or under 
according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Herod tries to destroy. He tries to stamp out and he uses violent force. And I want to encourage you guys this morning, this Christmas morning, we don't know how long we will have the freedoms of worshiping as Christians in our land. We don't know. We don't know when it will become so unpopular to be a Christian that to be a Christian, you're going to have to go underground. You don't know when that day will come. We don't know what, what, what the future has in store. We don't know if it will become increasingly militant to be in our workplaces to be a Christian would be to be mocked and to maligned and spat upon or whatever it might be, or to be seen as a bigot. You hold the traditional moral values, biblical values, you're a bigot. But you need to know, brothers and sisters, that even though that persecution comes, Jesus said, blessed are those who per are persecuted for my name's sake. Rejoice, for great is their reward in heaven. And God is able to spread the church in the midst of hostile persecution. And he did it in Matthew chapter 2 in preserving the Messiah. And he did it all throughout the book of Acts when the church was persecuted, when people were murdered, when Stephen was martyred. The blood of the martyrs spreads the, church, the gospel. And the church begins to spread and scatter and preach and proclaim and is emboldened and they come to God and they fall on their knees and they say, Lord, help us. And boldness fills the church. And I, my prayer is that we would be emboldened in these days, that we would be emboldened in the day that we're in. And that we would herald the greatest news in all the world. I love the fact that a cross is coming out of our nativity scene. Because he didn't just come to be born a regal king. He came to die to change history. And he came to die to change you, if you will believe. That's what Christmas is all about. Jesus came to change everything. But those who are closest missed it and those who were farthest off were brought near and what a testimony it is to us that no matter how far gone you are god can save you powerful powerful realities and i want us to look at verse three and and, and as we're doing so like, just know that Christmas is about giving Jesus worship. It's giving Jesus the worship and the honor that he is due. Look at verse 10. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. And then opening their treasuries, they offered him gift gold Gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. This is a picture of real worship. And notice that, that, that this is like, you know, we were talking about what, what if the Queen of England came or what if the president came to your doorstep? How would that? And, and let's, let's, you know, whatever our political views are, when somebody in that kind of authority comes, do you prepare your heart? Do you do things differently? Do you have a sense of gravitas? Like somebody's here and they're important and they're regal. When we elect presidents, we throw parties afterwards. Why? Because we think they're going to save us. 
We think they're going to change us. We're, we think they're going to change things for the better, and we want things to change, and we want things to get better. And we throw parties, and we inaugurate, and it's a big to-do. But when Jesus comes, the most religious people in the room miss it. And they actually are hostile to it. But these magi unfold for us the worship of the true king of the Jews and the king of the world. And I want you guys to see it. We, we are to worship Jesus joyfully. That's what we see here. They rejoiced exceedingly and with great joy. At Christmas, do you worship exceedingly and with great joy? It's like Matthew's grasping for words here. Like, I want you to know that you got to be bursting with joy at this great news. Do you really believe you can be saved? Do you really believe that there's a kingdom coming that will end all other kingdoms? There's a peace coming where you're going to reign with Christ and it's glorious. And everything we long for deep down will be made new and realized. That's who this king is. And we can get so tied up in politics. We can get so tied up in all the stuff going on around us and we're fired up. And King Jesus has come. And I want you guys to know that no matter what's going on around you, you need to know that something glorious is coming because someone came. Love came down and dwelt among us. Deity came down and enfleshed in humanity. And God came among us to die on a cross to redeem anybody who will believe. Anybody. And if you don't know Jesus, if you haven't experienced this joyful worship that the Magi are, they're, they're joyful. There's unadulterated, joyful worship falling on their faces. And that's humble worship too, right? It's a humble worship of King Jesus. Not only is it joyful, but it's humble. They fall before him. They fall on their knees. And many, many professing Christians have not bowed the knee to Jesus, but they've given lip service to Jesus. And Jesus warns of it. And he says, they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They have not bowed the knee to me. And the Magi remind us that it's easy to play religious games. But when you come humbly before the king, he'll change your life. When you become humble before the king, you're bowed down. You fall on your face. Have you fallen on your face? Has joy emerged in your soul when you consider the beauty of Christmas? God with us in the person of Christ. Matt Redman once wrote a song called Heart of Worship. And the song says, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. It's all about you, Lord. It's all about Jesus. And he wrote that song because he saw that the worship in his church had become stale and routine and matter of fact and cold. And he said, we're not singing for months and we're repenting. And he wrote that song. And then six months later, he unfolds it 
And worship is revitalized in his church. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. I'm coming. When I come to church, when I come to gather, I'm coming joyfully. I'm coming humbly. I'm coming to delight in King Jesus. And you watch him flip your life upside down for the glorious good of living a new way. You feel like my life is just hitting dead ends. I'm hitting brick walls. I'm hitting all sorts of turmoil. My family is struggling. My work situation is deteriorating. I feel like just things are hard and it's not getting any better. Come, Lord Jesus. Come again. You came once. Come again. Make it right. But you need to know when you come to Jesus joyfully and you come to Jesus humbly, that will change your life no matter what the circumstances are. That will change your focus no matter what's going on in the culture around us. That will give you godly resolves to stand against the opposition of the evil one. You make known to me the path of life and in your presence is fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 16, 11. We worship joyfully, humbly. And then we worship sacrificially. Look at verse 11. Then what do they do after they've fallen on their faces, after they've rejoiced at the star guiding them? They open their treasures and they offer him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And because Jesus is their treasure because Jesus is a better treasure. They open up their treasures and they give gifts to Jesus. Now you need to know that Christmas is about the greatest gift coming into the world. And it's a gift that's meant for us. And if you've never unwrapped it with the eyes of faith, if you've never unwrapped it with a humble heart, if you've never unwrapped it with awakening to your sin, if you've never unwrapped it, you probably won't give anything to Jesus. You probably won't be giving any gifts. There's no sacrifice. It's just me, 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 me. And we live in a culture that's all about me. But when your heart gets gripped by God, you begin to see other people. You begin to see how to love other people. You begin to, to, to live in new ways. You begin to, 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 to offer your life as a sacrificial offering of worship unto God. And that's what these men do. They give gifts. And it's so powerful when I think about it because these gifts are symbolic of gospel realities. The gifts are gold. And you give gold to kings. You give gold to symbolize the king. It's the most precious metal or one of them in the world. And it signifies the authority and the regalness of King Jesus. And then they give frankincense or incense, which is what you give to priests. That's what you give to somebody who's a, who's a bridge builder between men and God. And Jesus was the ultimate high priest. And he's the only one who can bring you to God. He's the only one who can write your relationship with God. And you know what else they give him? They give him myrrh. 
which was a funeral spice or a burial spice that you would put on the bodies to preserve and make it smell nice. And so there's something about this king that there's the aroma of death about him. Because one day he would come and he would die for his people. One day he would come and he would give his life so that you might have life. One day he would come and he would conquer death by rising up out of the grave. And no one in the history of the world has done that by his own power and authority. But Jesus. And Christmas means for the people of God, life beyond the grave. You better believe it. This cradle rocked the world. That cradle rocked the world because that cross bore the wrath that our sins deserve. And that cross did not stay in the tomb, but it broke out of the tomb to give life to all who will believe. And will you believe this Christmas day? Will you put your trust in Jesus this Christmas day? Will you look to Jesus, the one who came to redeem a people to himself? And this whole story has the divine signature of God's sovereignty over all of it. He's ruling all of this story. Look with me lastly in verse 12 and see that the Magi, God's got their back. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country. Do you realize that God has been working His purposes out this whole time. He's been guiding them. He's been revealing truth to them. And if you're in here and you're not a Christian today, you need to know, like, God might be speaking to you now. God might be telling you now, you've got to repent of your sins before it's too late. You've got to recognize King Jesus. You've got to come and just lay your life down before Him. You've got to come and bow before Him and trust Him with your life. Or maybe you've come in here and, and, and you're, you're realizing like, my spiritual life is a mess. Yeah, I professed Christianity long ago, but I've, it's been long since I've done anything with Jesus in this world. It's been long since I've experienced that friendship. It's been long since I've had that kind of love and embrace of God. I'm, I'm feeling distant. I'm feeling divided. I'm feeling fractured. I'm feeling a mess. And you need to know that this sovereign God who saves Pagan astrologers can deal with you and he can draw you back in and he can restore your relationship. But will you humble yourself is the question. Will you come to Jesus? Will you recognize the glory of Christmas? That God is in control of Christmas. That God is in control of your life. That God may have been ordering your life to bring you to himself this very day. To bear witness to your soul, you can be saved. And this gospel begins with God bringing those who are far off near to Jesus. And it ends in Matthew 28 with the people of God going to the ends of the earth with the message of Jesus. Listen to Jesus' words. All authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am always with you to the end of the age. God not only intervenes 
to bring the Magi to himself, but God intervenes to save the Magi from the clutches of Herod. And God intervenes to fulfill his prophecies from of old to bring Jesus to Bethlehem to be born in consummation of that prophecy. And there's like 300 others that tell you God means what he says when he brought Jesus into the world. There's 300 unique prophecies about Jesus. And they've all come true. Because this is real. Christmas is a glorious mystery. And it can be real for you today if you turn your hearts over to the Lord. And if you're believers, glory in this wonderful news. Let it be the song of your soul. Let it be the joy of your heart. Let it be the humility that, that brings you low before a holy God and then He lifts you up. And maybe you just needed a word today that, that God loves you and he, He'll lift you up. That God loves you when you come humbly to Him, when you come needy to Him, when you come like these magi come, He can help. We've got a friend in Jesus. And if you need to taste and see the Lord is good, if you've been far away from God, I bid you to come and put your trust in Him now. In Jesus' name, we'll pray right now. Father, I pray for those among us who have been far from God. They've wandered off the beaten path. They've experienced life just beating them up. They don't know what to do right now, but you've been speaking to them and they need encouragement. They need help. They need a word and they need prayer. They, they need to surrender their lives to you. And if that's you today, I just want you to, in your heart, just acknowledge that right now as, as we're sitting quietly and as I'm praying, just, just say, God, would you, would you forgive me? I know, I know he's talking about me. And I know I need your forgiveness. And I believe that Jesus died on a cross for my sins. And I believe that Jesus can save me. Come into my life. Rescue me. Send your spirit into my life. And save me. I believe in this king. And as you're saying those words in your soul, just cry out with authenticity. I need you, God. I believe this. And maybe there's those among us who you're just, you came in hostile to Jesus. You came in hard. You came in just like, prove it to me. And God's just rocked you. The Spirit has just been on you. And you need to repent. Just turn to God right now and say, Lord, that's me. Please forgive me. Please save me. I believe. Help my unbelief. And maybe there's those of us who we've just been struggling. We've been slogging along in the Christian life and we needed to be reminded. And we needed to be reminded of a word about Jesus today. And would you just thank God in your heart right now as we're praying? Just say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the truth of these realities. 
would you help me this Christmas to see Jesus more? Would you help me to joyfully worship him, to humbly worship him, to sacrificially worship him? And so, Father, as we come before you now, I just pray your spirit would blow on us and that we would get great help at Christmas from the king who came. In Jesus' name, amen.